Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me, as always. You can check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. We're going to have uh, today's podcast is going to be very basketball-specific. We're going to look at the draft decisions, uh, a little bit of the team. I know we, we kind of did that in, in a couple previous ones. And then maybe some more in the recruiting. Uh, we're also going to look at some of the nuances of the decision. Jordan Poole and his family. Uh, Jordan Poole's officially declared. His family had some comments on it, so we'll, we'll talk about that. And then coming up in a couple days, uh, perhaps tomorrow, perhaps Friday, we'll have a football one. Uh, looking at some of the spring review stuff, answering some listener questions, and and whatnot. So anyway, Steve, let's get started. Uh, Jordan Poole declared pro officially, officially official. I mean, I think everyone who subscribes to our site knew that he was almost certainly going to be a pro. Back to Michigan, and I think, and I think there were clues along the way, right? Nashawn Highland said that he said Michigan shooting guard is going to stay in the draft well that's that's Jordan Poole and um you know and then it's some he ends up on the cameo site which I didn't know what cameo was but for those that don't know it's where celebrities can charge money to give out personalized video shout outs um I know uh Chris Wormley's on there Jake Butts on there uh Glenn Rice is on there uh, maybe a couple other former Michigan players are on there too but he shows up on there, and uh, you know it's totally fine if he's going pro. Absolutely can if he's if he's a pro. But obviously, if he were to come back to Michigan in that situation, he'd have some walking back to do. Michigan would have to self-report, uh, so on and so forth. So that was pretty much a telltale sign. So you know, not necessarily a surprise. But Steve, you've you've sat on the decision a while, I guess. Any any thoughts? We'll talk about. Uh, some of the some of the factors that went into the decision, but any any additional thoughts? No, I don't know. Um, not a surprise, right? You know, that's the thing is people were so uh, even on our site. You know, you hear I say the old subscribers frustrated at our coverage as far as you know because we had been heavily hinting that this was a likely outcome, but you still have to kind of do the investigative work. You know, I'm kind of referring to the cameo deal, you know, where people were like, well, we already know. And it's like, well, regular, a lot of people out there probably maybe not hundred percent clear. right? wanted to still, maybe there was a possibility that he would come back just because the projections aren't that great. Um, but no surprise. Interesting decision. It's clear. And I know we had talked about this a little bit before we recorded, you know, as I think Brendan Quinn's piece, The Athletic, was, uh, and Brendan obviously really don't need to say much about how great of a job he does, uh, but, you know, with the father, seemed to kind of point the fingers a little bit uh, back at Michigan as far as why this was the best decision for him to go now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting angle to take when you consider, especially Beeline's history. You know, I think it's – I don't really care what way you slice it. I mean, Poole had a disappointing year this year. I mean, that's – sorry. I don't think there's a – you know, I, that, doesn't, I don't, I don't, that doesn't mean I thought that he was bad or, or was, like, terrible. But I think when you consider, again, looking at Beeline with the history of these guys that always kind of tend to progress and, and take significant steps forward, I mean, I, I think the 
uh, evidence is pretty clear that he didn't do that. And you so know, he did at times, like, right? I mean, he he. There, but that's uh, not enough, though. Like he should. He's a guy. I think that you should have been able to look at as a guy you could have counted on every night. This at this at this point is, you know, because this is how, this is how it usually goes. Is like, you know, the younger guys flashes, and okay. then it kind of takes that next step into a day in day out type deal. And like, Poole wasn't your typical, not typical beeline because he's produced guys that were rated high and guys who weren't, but he wasn't one of those diamond in the rough type guys coming out of high school. I mean, this was a top 100 win over a bunch of big schools, you know? So I, I think, so I, yeah, I mean, at times, yeah, he looked great, uh, but there were plenty of times as well where he didn't. And I think it's fair to be disappointed in that. And, and I think I, I thought it was peculiar to point the finger back at Michigan. Not say again, were there maybe some things that Michigan could have done differently as far as how they utilized him or whatever? I suspect if you probably broke it down deep enough, there probably were. Um, but that's a, it's very easily a two-way street, uh, you know, with the bad shot selection, um, just games where he looked completely, you know, it's like, it was always the, the talk in that article, especially was about offensively, but defensively, uh, there were still points where he looked completely lost on the floor. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how you can put that on the Michigan staff. Uh, you know, to me, that that seems like a lack of preparation, a lack of effort, or whatever. And again, I'm not saying like in the general, like, you know, but, but at, this is at points where it was like he looked totally lost on the defensive end. So, um, yeah, you know, is Michigan free of blame? Not necessarily, uh, but I think for his camp to kind of go that route, I thought was a little. I don't know, disappointing. I don't know. Uh, maybe he'll be developed better in the pros. It's the that's what DJ Wilson did and, and left for was you know, I'd rather get paid and develop and be developed yeah. in the NBA uh, than I would to go to college for another year or whatever, which I I I am fully behind any guy that wants to do that. It made the logic makes total sense. You know, so um and that doesn't even have to be the NBA. Some guys just want to play and get paid now, you know, and uh whether that's in Europe or, or whatever, uh, you know, that that's, you know, that, that's this idea that if a guy doesn't get drafted in the first round or even doesn't get drafted in the second round of the NBA, that his career is over <laughs> uh, is, is one of the, like, biggest misconceptions there is out there. Uh, there's money to be made overseas. There's And the journey to the NBA is not even close to over for these young guys that leave a little early if they're not. You know, it's, it's the whole, like, oh, if this guy wasn't averaging, that you like you have to be averaging, like, 20 points and, like, just be this, like, all-American level player to leave early is, is ludicrous. So, uh, definitely think he's a guy that can succeed at the next level. I'm interested to see how it goes for him and to see how quickly or, or how long or whatever it takes him to get there. Uh, but I just thought the back and forth and, and kind of trying to turn the tables on, on Beeline in Michigan was just kind of an interesting route to go when, when the track record has been so pointed in the other direction uh, at his time in Michigan. Yes. So this this stuff about the offense, and for those that, that didn't didn't read about it, basically Jordan Poole's dad was pointing out that because Xavier Simpson is not a shooting point guard, you know, he, he needs the ball kind of in his hands. The offense kind of runs through him because when he's off the ball, guys aren't following him. Right, and they're not, uh, they're not, you know, making sure that they have a 
have a guy on Simpson, you know, at every point on the court. You know, it's not whereas Derek Walton and Trey Burke, uh, people were really kind of anchored to him. And, and if he was 30 feet away from the basket, they were there. And so I think that's a little bit of it. Charles Matthews, not a shooter, at least from a three point range. And and so people didn't really trail him. And so I actually, Anthony Wright, former Michigan basketball player who has his own podcast, uh, I think it's called You Can't Guard Me. You know, he pointed this out a couple weeks ago, and then I ended up looking it up, and a lot of these games where people are like, oh, you know, people pulling their hair out over pool and and looking and saying, oh, I can't believe he took that shot, or I can't believe, you know, this is hero ball. Because I agree, a lot of mistakes were made. There was a lot of hero ball. But a good portion of the time, it almost reminded me of like a hot potato game where all of a sudden like there's eight seconds left on the clock and they need a, a basket and they just hand it to pool and he has no space because the defender has just been on him the whole time. And uh, it was right. just, it was just, he, I always, I've always compared his game to Nick Stauskas. Obviously they're not the same player. They're, they're slightly different, but I always felt like his game and his role were, was going to be similar to Nick Stauskas, but Stauskas had Lavert, Glenn Robinson, you know, he had um, uh, Burke and then and then Walton. I mean, he had guys who could really spread the court for him. And I don't think Poole had that same luxury. And I felt like the offense in general, I don't know about you, Steve, but I felt like it got stuck a lot. I, I don't know. I think they're going to – Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, no doubt. I think it was more of like a fit thing because I think everyone had their moments, right? And, and they won 30 games, so clearly it wasn't this, like, abysmal offense or anything. But – it just it never felt like the offense clicked to its full potential and i think a lot of that did have to do with the lack of other shooters you know i'd be curious what pools plus minus was when livers was on the floor because he's someone who at the very least he's going to open things up a little bit and so i'm curious i would be curious to see that but yeah i think it is you know i think it's i think what as i say like i think what you say is totally fair i i guess Big picture-wise, I think my biggest thing about the disappointing season, in my opinion, for him was probably more about the defensive side of the ball than it was. You know, it wasn't just about, you know, maybe not just quite being there defensively. I mean, there were just numerous lapses, and it was it seemed consistent, you know. And to me, that just, with the way that they've been able to coach up the defense there, it just and everybody else seeming to be... It, on the same page, to me, just, I don't know, doesn't that kind of hint or, or you know, say that maybe the effort wasn't maybe always all the way there? Because uh, it, it did, I mean, it seemed like there were multiple deals where he was the one that was lapsing on defense. Everyone else seemed to be on the same page. And I think it was, was it the first Michigan State game, whichever one they had him at home, there was that video I can't remember the, the guy that did it, so I'm sorry if I'm, I'm not giving the credit out. I just remember there being a very thorough video on the just complete defensive lapses on him individually throughout that game. Yeah, and he like, got I lost a couple times, really, yeah. Yeah, but but I feel like that was something that was relatively consistent. You know, it's like he felt like, I say this, like if they go back, if you look at Michigan State, I mean, he... He fell for the McQuaid pump fake like every time that he did it, all in all three games, you know. And it's like, and he's got a great pump fake. I mean, that, it worked again. He wasn't the only one it worked against, but this was just like, I don't know. Like so, like I said, because I get like as far as what you're saying is with there being no consistent perimeter help to kind of 
free him up a little bit more. Uh, I don't disagree with that one bit. I mean, this was their worst perimeter shooting team that Beeline's had in Michigan, if I remember correctly. And, and worst since second, 20, it's, it's, 2010, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's, you know, so that in that regard. Um, but I do think he still, there were still clear lapses in, in shot selection when they were available and the defensive side of the ball way more to me. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's here's my thing, because I actually thought he had some really good defensive moments, and Beeline mentioned there were games where he would grade out right up there with Matthews and Simpson. And, and to, to your point, I do think he was often the uh, quote-unquote weak link defensively, but some of that is, I mean, it's the lineup is Simpson, Ma- Matthews, and Teske who have built their entire identities around defense, and then Brzezdakis, who we'll talk about him in a moment, I think could end up being be a first-round pick. You know, and so, so it was kind of a, he was almost... It was almost always going to stick out, but but you know, he was very young. He looked like a first year starter who is nineteen, who's actually younger than Brzezdakis, and so, and that's where I think there's the fans are disappointed, is that I think they felt like Poole had one more gear to hit, and I feel like they they felt like it could happen next year. And and you're right, he it was flashes. I mean, he scored what twenty one against North Carolina, uh, you know, eighteen against Purdue. But kind of went dark in some other games. He had he had 16 games where he scored 15 or more points, nine against NCAA tournament teams, but he only averaged what 12.8 points a game. So that meant that he was really in the other um, what 21 games he was really dipping low at times. And so it's I I I, I see the frustration, especially for the fans who are looking at the mock drafts and and saying, um, you know. They, they, it's not even I think one draft has him projects him to be drafted right now so I can see where the frustration is but but as you kind of pointed out it's not what it used to be I mean the G League the playing in Europe uh, you know it's it's not always glamorous I think agents and and players are often told it's going to be a little bit more glamorous than it is but I mentioned this uh, while you were out of town I did a podcast on this I mentioned hey you know at college, you're you can't just go to the gym whenever you want. You can't just go get your massage and and stay in as nice you know the custom bed, and nice apartment all the time. And you don't you aren't playing against everyone who. I mean, your scout team is not other pros; it's other college players. And so, if you're trying to reach your potential, sometimes you know you you do want you don't want to have to go to class. You know you don't have to go to uh, uh, history two eleven or whatever. <laughs> you know. You, you get to spend all of your time focusing on your game and getting better. And, and I think if you think there's an extra gear, perhaps it is easier to meet in in that setting, in, in the pro setting, even if it's not the NBA. And, and you know, I mean, Duncan Robinson's going to make $3 million over the next two years. So that's where I think that almost was like, it's, it's a cool thing for like Michigan to be able to say. <laughs> but I wonder, I mean, if you're a Michigan player and you're like, well, I could do a lot of things Duncan Robinson couldn't. Aren't you kind of looking at that and saying, well, there's definitely a path, you know, getting the two-way deal. Every game, if, you, if you're if you on a two-way deal, every game you play in the NBA, you make $55,000. That's like the per-game minimum. I mean, that's, you know, it's, I can see where it's enticing, especially, um, you know, if, if, if you have frustrations. You know, because I, I think, I think the Poole family, some of this is a little bit more, I won't say emotionally charged because I think they thought about this quite a bit, but the fans really got on pool this year. 
didn't they? Right, I mean, it right. was. I could see where that's. There's that part of it. Yeah, I could see where that plays a factor. Um, so well, I could see where that's frustrating for them too. Like that's because it is. It's that, that, and that's the, you know. But I, I don't know. At the same time, on that topic, um, and I could never speak to being in that position necessarily. Although, even when you do, even in something as small scale as like what we do, you know, is covering the covering these guys and covering is like. You just gotta like social media wise. You just gotta learn that those those people are always gonna be out there. You know, it's like it's far, you know what I mean. Like it's where it's like that's why like you need to. It's better to keep your emotions in check because no matter he could have averaged thirty points a game, been national player of the year, like, and there'd still be somebody out there that'd be heckling him about leaving. You know, it's like it's just. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying, though. It's like no matter what. I mean, there's just always naysayers out there. They they, they are going to exist in every, uh, I'll just say, bottom corner of of the social of social media, the internet, whatever. You know. Yeah. So, um, so I get it, and I can, you know, because I know when I even when I first started doing this, and people would like maybe not like what I wrote, or, uh, you know, Ohio State fan, or. I was like, I remember I had a guy, uh, Ohio State account, who would like would literally re, like he would uh, he, we used to when he used to be able to do the remember the manual retweet yeah, and this guy used to literally would manually retweet retweet my tweets and change the sub like change the actual tweet to like something that was like really really discretionary like changed one to imply that I had tweeted that um, Michigan backed off on a prospect because he got caught doing drugs in school <laughs> you know and it's like yeah you know and I actually I had this is that the one guy I reported and I, I don't think his account exists anymore I mean because I said it like this guy could like cost me my job you know and it's like so like so imagine a guy like what I'm getting at imagine a guy you know like a, a kid like cool you know was a national guy hit the big shot last year was supposed to kind of be a star player or whatever and and in some people's eyes it didn't pan out that way and he leaves and people get upset and they just spout off at him and his family and you know so it's hard not to want to respond but i just i agree it's emotionally a response like that is emotionally charged um whether some of their points are right or wrong you know it's just like i just you can't acknowledge those types of people that's just nobody wins yeah that's correct nobody wins i i think uh but I, I think there was frustration, and I don't think, you know, I, 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 I don't know if you would call what, what, you know, Jordan Poole's dad said, I don't know if you'd call it blame. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. I mean, usually, you know, Beeline, I think, gets deserves a lot of credit because he's made a lot of different lineups and different types of players. He's made a lot of things work at Michigan. And I, th- I don't think you can sit here and say Jordan Poole is – this failure. I mean, again, he averaged what twelve point eight points a game this year. Uh, I think that was pretty good. And like the fact that he's he in his first year starting, you know, after first year starting since his junior year of high school, I think, uh, you know, and he he's being talked about as a potential draft pick, you know. So yeah, I think I think that there were I could I see where the pools are coming from. I'll say that I think I see where it's like, well, he how is he going to move up thirty spots? in the draft is he going to because he's only getting older teams are increasingly ageist when it comes to draft picks and and you know i mean 
I don't know about you, Steve. I, I mentioned this the other day, uh, two weeks ago. If someone had offered me a job to cover sports for a living before I graduated college, and they said, well, you have to, you can't, you can't go to college, and you, you know, I would have considered doing it, and then if I needed to, go gone back. I mean, you know, and that's, that's obviously totally different. Because right. I probably well, actually. Another thing is like, yeah, and that's a co- another common sense aspect that people ignore is, uh, you can always, education wise, you can always go back. And so. I mean, think about this: if he plays one NBA game, fifty-five thousand dollars, he can come back right. and get his degree, like you know, just on that right. on that pay alone. Right. No, I agree. No, I don't. You know, especially this, and and like I said, the the path to getting paid in some capacity is not as daunting as what you know, we'll call them the naysayers uh, would say. You know, and mm-hmm. then not. And again, we know the ultimate goal is the NBA for all these guys. I'm not sitting here saying the goal is Europe and get paid a decent amount over in Europe and be satisfied or whatever. But right. you know, it's not the daunting uphill battle that uh that people want to make it out to be and, and the, the allure to make money now and continue to get because that's the other thing again as if he like leaves and doesn't get drafted that he's not going to continue to get better as a player that's the other one it's like <laughs> it's like yeah beeline's the only person that knows how to make him better yeah <laughs> right you know and it's, it's like there's always that part of the two that always kind of makes me laugh or whatever but um yeah it'll be an interesting road for him though i mean i'm i'm Definitely, I mean, you'll follow it anyway. I mean, we follow all the former players and see how they do. But uh, his is one that I'm going to be really interested to see. I think he does have a game that can – there's no doubt he has the type of game that can succeed in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, just a matter of, you know, will he get there and what, what does he do when he gets the opportunity. I mean, he's going to be a really interesting case to follow. He will be – I think he will be kind of nationally because this is, this is an interesting case where he's basically saying – and he's not the first one. Uh, you know, I mean, Darius Baisley – said no to all the colleges and said he'd try the G League and work his way up. And um, I think I think there was one other player who might have done that this year too who's projected to be drafted. But, you know, it'll be an interesting case because this is, you know, all of Beeline's early departures. Uh, I think Glenn Robinson, well, okay, Manny Harris and Darius Morris. But, like, since then, I think Glenn Robinson's the only one that wasn't a first-round pick. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of career he can carve out because if we're talking next year and he signed a two-year league standard deal for three million dollars i mean i don't think anyone's gonna say he made a mistake and and who knows maybe even if he doesn't i i don't i don't know what people would think but if he's able to carve something out i think you'll see players increasingly declare to go pro and i think the ncaa will be an interesting spot because if as the G League salary increases, as they start taking care of players more, and uh, the the connection from the G League to the NBA is, I don't think it's ever been closer with the two way contracts, with uh, every team having a G League team. You know, it's a little bit with teams taking this more developmental approach. I I wonder at what point do players start saying, well, even if I'm not fully ready to be drafted college doesn't bring everything to the table that i want and it, it, it frankly it's kind of distracting so i right. i'm curious to see how it goes uh we'll say real quick i know we kind of i feel like one of our shticks is saying all the dumb things michigan fans not not all michigan fans but the jabroni fans do uh if you're out i i don't get the desire to suddenly throw pool under the bus act like he was never any good 
say he's making a mistake when you were rooting for him a month ago. And the one thing is like, it's his decision, right, Steve? I mean, I don't know about you. Uh, in our business, a lot of people say, "Oh, you're going, you're doing, you're going to give that career a try. You know, you're going to do that instead of, uh, you know, right. I, I got a business degree, and so I got a lot of people that were like, "Oh, really? You're going to give that a try?" And, and I'm sure there were people that, if they if had known me, they would have tweeted at me, "You're not ready. Oh, what a dumb mistake. You know, go go for the money, <laughs> get a real job, things like that." Uh, don't really care still doing it so you know i think try to i always try to compare it to the real world i mean this is jordan Poole going up for a promotion in in his career if if you were going up interview yeah if if you're going up for a promotion and you had a hundred people saying oh this is laughable what a dumb decision you're not ready uh it'd be pretty pretty jerk move on those guys parts so you know like, I, I, I just I go back to 21 hours ago when Michigan assistant Chris Partridge publicly responded to the Rashawn Gary deal <laughs> by saying, don't worry about those who hate, they're miserable for a reason. And uh, that pretty much about sums it up, in my opinion. So, yeah. you know, Michigan will be good again next year with or without Jordan Poole. Um, they've lost more I mean think about who they lost last year coming into this year and mm-hmm. I don't think anybody saw them maybe things ended a little earlier than what you wanted but again you, you ended up losing to the national runner up I mean it's conceivable Michigan could have made a long run if they hadn't met Texas Tech when they did uh, yeah yeah. You know, Texas Tech also knocked Michigan State out right so you know they'll be fine either way it'll be you know again it'll be interesting to see what they do to replace some of these guys but um you know that whole aspect of it is like i said it's it's always going to be there so yep well, we can kind of kind of deal with it and yeah with it. yeah we can talk about it we can talk about the replacement paths in a moment um but iggy bristakis a little bit more of a traditional decision because it sounds like if he's think if it he gets an inkling that he's not going to be drafted or not going to be drafted say top 50 because i think I did, I did the research, and last year, 47 of the top 50 picks got multi-year guaranteed deals, and I think every single one of them exceeded $3 million in guaranteed money. So top 50 to me would be like the benchmark in, in, in the current climate. But, you know, he's going he's gonna to listen, and I think uh, after the combine, because I assume he's getting invited to the combine, if, if, it's, if he's projected really low, I mean, I, could, I don't know that he would necessarily say, ah, whatever, I'm doing it anyways. But I think he's going to go. I'm pretty sure he's going to go. Um, you know, rather traditional, rather straightforward. Uh, we'll see. Maybe he'll start a – because it is interesting because Matthews, you know, announced he was going pro within 24 hours of the M-Den announcing he was going to sign autographs. And then right. <laughs> Jordan Poole right. within 24 hours. It's like these guys' decisions have already been made. But <laughs> as from a PR standpoint, it's – uh, I'm sure Michigan's compliance office is like, oh my goodness. Um, anyway, so let's. I'm not sure about you. I'm assuming Iggy's going. Like I'd put it at like a 80 to 90 percent. Uh, I don't know. So we can. Sounds, sounds right. Yeah. Okay. I was I was gonna see if I'm we're on, on pretty much. I'm on pretty much the same page as you are there. I, I think I think the expectation for a while is that all three of those guys were. I mean, Matthews was a given, but I think the expectation. Mm-hmm. I always thought Poole was at the beginning of the day that was the one who was going to be the biggest question mark. 
that one quickly turned to a no doubter. Um, and then I've always kind of felt like Ross Dacus was, you know, heck, halfway through the season, I figured he was probably going to go. I mean, yeah, just, I kind of thought so in know. October, November, actually. Right. But, uh, right, right. No, I mean, he's, he's older. He probably was a five star if he was an American and people actually scouted him, gave him a real scout instead of a, oh, what's he like for a Canadian? Um, yeah, I mean, he was. He, I think he always planned on being a one and done. So you know, right. someone's gonna have to convince him, and by someone I mean NBA teams are gonna have to convince him he's not a one and done, in order for him to to come back. But so let's let's operate because I think uh, Brandon Pisarski asked, "How is Michigan currently looking on the basketball recruiting front? Putting Wagner aside, is there still a chance to pick up Pierce or Kinonis? So let's." Let's work through the targets real quick. Um, I think we've already done this before, but Lester Quinones, four-star, two-guard, probably the best player out of the group, uh, but looks like, yeah, I, I kind of do. I mean, Franz is Franz is probably number two for me, but it's, it's pretty close. Um, but regardless, it doesn't really matter because Quinones, I think every crystal ball in the last month has been to memphis and i think lsu with will wade back uh it sounds like it's probably one of those two schools <laughs> this tells you the state of basketball recruiting like <laughs> yeah right <laughs> the, the coach who was caught on telephone cheating is back so lsu is right back in the race now like, just, uh, just comical, i guess but whatever <laughs> yep uh don't need to say too much more on that one no but uh <laughs> right. I think the the top two targets right now have to be Franz Wagner and uh, Justin Pierce, the William and Mary grad transfer, originally from the Chicago area. So so Pierce is looking at Notre Dame and North Carolina. Uh, I think he visits UNC this weekend, and he wants to decide the following weekend by his graduation. Uh, I think if you're Michigan, I think both are definite takes. Franz Wagner, uh, brother of Mo, German. Deciding between Michigan and a pro team, I think Beeline is—he might be in Germany right now visiting. I know it's supposed to. I believe to... it was Tuesday or Wednesday. He was supposed to be there. Yeah, so I mean, you know, things are serious if if he's taking a visit and doing an in-home, and and obviously we've talked about it. Mo is in his year in at least some capacity. They aren't the same, you know. I don't think he has the same college ambition. Like Mo, Mo, a big part of why he came to Michigan was the experience. Uh, you know, he just wanted to be at, a, at an American college and play college basketball. And uh, Franz, I think, is a little – I think he's got a little bit more – like the pro teams in Germany are a little bit harder after him. I think his game's a little bit more polished. The comparison I've seen is uh, Joe Wieskamp out of Iowa. You know, Yeah, I, did, I saw that too yeah. on Twitter, so I don't remember who it was, but that was a great – I'll tell you what, man, you get a guy like him. I thought he was a good player. So Yeah, I mean, he kind of – schooled Matthews in that in that one matchup. Obviously, the second matchup, Michigan was all over Iowa. But, no, Wieskamp was probably the second-best freshman in the Big Ten this year. Uh, Romeo Langford, yeah, I guess, is, is up there, too. Um, <laughs> but, no, I mean, Franz is really good. You know, he'd be, he'd be a great, I think, a three is probably where he would play. So, Matthews' role. Um, Pierce, probably a two. Uh, he's, I think he averaged like 14 points, eight rebounds, four or five assists for William and Mary. Um, 
that'd probably be plan A, right? I, I think if you do that, suddenly I think you're still in that top 10. You know, if you're looking at ahead to next season, I think you're probably not going to be top five like like you might have thought or what you might have been before Poole and Brzezakis declared. But um, that'd, be a, that'd be a huge win for Michigan, I think. And it, it seems realistic. I mean, it's not – I think in the past when they've had these recruits and these – these guys, you know, it's like Michigan was in it, but they, like so were six other teams. Like Cam Johnson, who ended up being a star at North Carolina. It was like they were one of like seven teams, but they were never in that top two or three. Sounds like Pearson Wagner. I mean, Wagner, it's literally Michigan or the pros. So uh, they're in good shape, you know. And I, I, I don't know if you've gotten to see Nashawn Highland's tape and what he's done. I, I think he, he, he would be someone that you might still want to take. But it, you w- couldn't necessarily project him to start or be a key contributor next year. He'd be more of a typical beeline freshman. I was gonna say he's more your classic. Yeah, he know. he'd play a DeJulius type role. Like, obviously, they're different positions, or a Brandon Johns type role where he'll have a couple moments, but really, you're for him, you're kind of expanding the horizon a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Wagner and Pierce are are the top two. I think Michigan knows they're the top two. And I think, I don't know about what you've seen or heard, but it seems like Michigan's really approaching this much more assertively and kind of leaning into this more than in the past. Cause I think in the past, you know, Michigan would have held out hope, you know, maybe not recruited as hard until they'd had these decisions made. I think, that, I mean, they just said, all right, here we go. We need two spots filled. Uh, and, and if one of them, if Iggy or, Jordan want to change their minds they they're welcome to but for now we're pursuing both spots so I think and I think it's worked I mean these are Pierce I think was rated as the I'm not sure what our transfer portal has him rated as but I know a couple sites have put him as one of the top five graduate transfers you know and and Wagner I'm not sure where he would rank in in the recruiting rankings but it's I believe Evan Daniels of our site said definitely top 100 so right. be a good get. Yeah, no, he has. He's been high on him. I, and to throw that in, by the way, uh, as far as you talk about Evan Daniels, twenty four seven, Sam has done an awesome job on this the last like week or two in covering this stuff for people who are interested in the site. I mean, we always try to get put in a plug, but that this probably be the best time to put one in. Mm-hmm. Um, has been on top of the Justin Pierce situation, especially, and uh, and then also with Franz Wagner. So. You know, this is what we're talking about right now is stuff that's already been covered uh, pretty heavily uh, on the board and, and on the, behind the paywall on the site. So, uh, you know, something to kind of keep in mind as things keep going. And, yeah. uh, you know, but yeah, I, I agree, though. I, I think those two guys seem to be the clear front runners in that regard. And I th- so, think, real quick, the fact that we haven't heard about other transfers. Just yet, I think yep. that's a sign Michigan thinks that they can get Pierce. Yep, I don't disagree one bit. So, yeah, there are other names out there. If, if you're interested, our transfer portal uh, is is really quickly becoming one of the coolest things that our site does. I already have over 600 names in our transfer portal database. You can go to 247sports.com to check that out. And I mean, again, you know, some of them are just going to be walk-ons that go from one school to another or, or guys who go from uh the the colonial you know the, kind of the low major to another low major that's 
So some of it's not that relevant, but some of it is. And I, I think Pierce is one of the one of the top. T- I mean, look who's, who's pursuing him: Notre Dame, North Carolina, and Michigan. So uh, right. clearly, somebody yeah, that yeah. exactly as good as as good an indicator as any. You know, I know, I know Notre Dame wasn't uh, good this year, but uh, but you know, Mike Brace had a great track record, mm-hmm. and uh, then obviously, you know, we know North Carolina what they do. So yeah, uh, so hopefully that answered that question. Um, as far as the team goes, I mean, yeah, what, what do they need? Two and the three. Uh, it's pretty, it's about as straightforward as it can get. You know, I think, I think they're loaded at forward and center. I mean, Teske, Castleton, Johns, Livers. I think that they're obviously well, well stocked. Oh, go ahead. Where's where's Wilson? I think he's, he kind of struck me as a three. Yeah. Maybe an Iggy type player. So, you know, he could play the four, but, but I think Iggy, if Matthews wasn't there, I think Iggy would have played a lot of three this year. Um, Cole Bajima, probably a two, three type. I just, I mean, I think Wilson will play. I don't know if he'll start. I don't, I, I don't think it's fair to put, say, oh, you'll just do what Iggy did. Because he, right. he was a top 50 recruit. Yeah. Bajima, I think, sounds a little bit more like a developmental, like Karis Levert type player. Uh, yeah. that'd be kind of games you've got to eat some hamburgers yeah <laughs> well they've done right. it before i mean you know mo dj castleton oh yeah no yeah. There's, a, there's a great track right it's just you just got to eat some hamburgers you're one yeah you know i mean castleton still looks like he's got a little bit to go there too right but you could see the difference in castleton from the time he stepped on campus to march i mean there's a noticeable difference there i just he's still got a little bit to go with badger but yeah it's kind of that hamburgers guy for them this year mm-hmm so, you know, as far as the two, uh, I think Brooks and DeJulius can play the role. I don't know that they I don't know that they want that for all of their lineup situations cuz I don't think either of them are 6-1 even. So, <laughs> you know, they're they you could do some two guard type situations, but uh, yeah, probably I think Michigan need needs one player at the two or the three. I think they would like to fill up the scholarships. And ideally, I think in their eyes, with one transfer and one recruit. So Wagner and and Pierce is the way to go. Um, and, and as we pointed out, I mean, I think they're not totally sure that they're going to get Wagner. That's why Highland has been reached out to. That's why Quinones has been pursued. Uh, that's why, you know, you'll see other names pop up. Perhaps... Perhaps you'll see more of them pop up if things don't go well in Germany, and that's that will be the sign. But uh, if things go well there, then they might just try to, uh, you know, settle in on the grad transfer. And again, they're not going after. They've reached out to other grad transfers, but it, it's really Pierce is the guy they've zeroed in on, and I think that's a sign that they think that they they can get him. So. Totally agree. No disagreements here. And as you pointed out, Steve, the the team's going to be good no matter what. I think Xavier Simpson had that quote last week. He's like, I'm still here. <laughs> the, it's saying that the team will still be good. And, and you know, Teske, Livers, Simpson, that's that's not a bad upperclassman core to, to build around. And, and guys like Brooks and Johns and Castleton and DeJulius, uh, you know, it could still still hard to see this team not being you know, every every time you lose players, it does get a little tougher. You know, if you're losing three of your top four scores three years in a row, it does it, it's 
tough to replace it every single time, and it's not a given, but seems like kind of a little bit closer to business as usual than I think it might have been a few years ago. So anyway, that's going to do it for the Wolverine 24-7 podcast today. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next week.